Good evening. Welcome to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. I am your host, Kyle Bird. With me is... Matt Parmley. Yes. And uh, if you are listening to this when it is released, you will know that it is the month of October. And every year we we get into the more horror side of things here at Kaiju Transmissions, and uh, for dedicated listeners, you will know that in October, um, one of our good friends who frequents uh, the podcast often um, is all about horror, so he always is pretty much like, let me know what you guys are doing, and whatever it is, I'll do it. And then you send him a list of movies, and he says, yeah, it looks great. And then he later tells you that he didn't even look at the list, and he just <laughs> he just said he was going to watch everything. Um, so, uh, yes, it is also October. That means who do we or, have with us? We have... Or Tom-tober? Yeah, or Tom-tober. Which one is it? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, yes, uh, of course, that's Tom, um, who transforms into a horror fiend. I think we have seven, eight, nine, ten, we had something like 12 movies on our list this year, and in between watching all those, he's watching, like, everything else. It seems like he's been watching, like, five movies a day, um, so, uh, you haven't driven yourself to insanity, um... I go ham during this wonderful time of year. Yeah. And, and every year I'm like, oh, I'm going to take it easy this year. And then every <laughs> year at the end of October, I'm like, oh, I watched 74 movies. <laughs> um, I feel like last year you wanted to die like towards the end of October. And you're like, I'm never doing this again. But yet here we are. Yeah. Well, I, I think there was one year he put himself through, like, all the Puppet Master movies and, like, all the Leprechaun <laughs> movies, like, in the same, like, week. <laughs> there was a year, there was a year where I watched, in in the month of October, um, all of the Howling movies, all of the Puppet Master movies, all of the Leprechaun movies, and all of the Amityville movies. <laughs> Those are like the worst franchises. <laughs> yes. Oh, oh, and that was also the year I watched all the Hellraiser movies. Oh also. my god, that's that's. Jesus that's <laughs> 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 um. Okay, so uh, the first subject we have is the Blob. Um. This is one that like I don't I I wasn't sure if it really qualified because it's definitely not Japanese and it's like does the Blob count as like a giant monster movie um sort of but I I think we all just said like hey we like the Blob so let's not think too hard about it and just do it I I think that's pretty much what I do is that where we're going with this conversation we could <laughs> oh uh, yeah. is Blob kaiju. Uh, the answer is if you care if you care to know the answer is it true king (laughs) true king support our king um but yeah i think we just said 
let's do it anyway. And and then looking at, into it, I found that uh, um, the <laughs> the guy that played the uh, the fat guy on Lost, he has a kaiju podcast, and they did the blob already. So I was like, you know what? If the guy from Lost can do it, we can do it. His his kaiju podcast. It's called the. He's kaiju got the podcast. most hilarious name. It's called <laughs> Kaiju Podcast. Um, and uh, so there's the original Blob with Steve McQueen. Then there is a sequel, Beware the Blob, and then there's the '80s remake. So we're gonna kind of go through those. And, uh, of course, we have some, some trivia and some, uh, some knowledge to drop uh, throughout the course of, of this discussion. So I guess we can um, get right to it with uh, the original uh, Blob. Uh, 1958. Um, all right, so uh, this is actually not the first killer giant blob movie, surprisingly. Um, uh, but a lot of these movies, these being movies about killer blobs, were made within the span of like five years. Um, so uh, the original Quatermass experiment from Hammer... Um, was about a guy that uh, uh, kind of turns into a blob, um, but it's not really a giant blob m- movie. But not in <clears throat> 1955, X the Unknown from Hammer, um, which was actually originally a Quatermass sequel, but uh, they couldn't get the rights to the character from the author. He didn't want uh, he didn't want something that wasn't based on his work to have that character in it. Um, uh, was about a giant blob, um, and then uh, of course there is uh, the blob, which we're talking about, and that's 1958, and that um, was in pro- and shortly before the blob went into production, Toho was start- starting on the H Man. Then only a year later, there was uh, Mario Bava's Keltiki. Um, uh, and of course Hammer also uh, did Quatermass Two. Um, which was about a giant blob, so they got to make their giant blob Quatermass movie. Um, oddly enough, I think some of those, like uh, Quatermass 2 and Keltiki and um, X the Unknown, probably fall into the wheelhouse of Kaiju a little more than these, because you do actually get like a lot of those effects of you know, a giant creature and miniature buildings and stuff um but we're starting with the blob you know maybe next year or somewhere down the line we'll we'll talk about some of those other blob movies but um we're starting with the uh the most well-known the blob um or when you know we launch the spin-off blobcast <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's weird, because, like, there's definitely, like, a subgenre of blob movies, <laughs> but, like, I don't know how many there's been since, like, the 60s, or, <laughs> like, I, I, I'm curious to kind of look into that, um, 
So I I think we're going to start by talking about the uh, man behind the blob, uh, Jack H. Harris. Um, So um, in 1958, he was already a very prominent distributor of films. Um, He had, like... uh, had a hand in the distribution of hundreds of movies, I think, even by then. Um, but he kind of wanted to break into making movies of his own. Um, and, of course, monster movies and horror movies are, like, the go-to for people to do that. Um, and so, uh, um, an- through the years, he wouldn't have a hand in producing too many movies, but it, it did start with The Blob. Um, and then he would do uh, the 4D Man, uh, Dinosaurus. Um, he had a hand in all of the Blob sequels and remakes. Um, also, uh, the movie Equinox, that is where a lot of the ILM guys started. Uh, it was basically like a whole movie they made in their backyard, and they sent it to him, and he, he said, like, this is great, let's shoot some additional footage, get it to feature length, and he released it. He did the same thing for John Carpenter with Dark Star, which was, like, a student film, basically, that he and um, um, Dan O'Bannon did for, yeah, like, pretty much a school project, and he was like, this is good, add some more footage, and we'll get it in the theaters and the drive-ins same with uh john landis's schlock um so yeah i mean in the world of independent film uh he's he's actually a pretty uh was a pretty heavy player um so uh to kind of go through the origin of the blob um when he wanted to produce a horror movie, he asked uh, his friend Irvine Milgate to think of some ideas, and uh, an article that Milgate read came to mind from uh, September of 1950 about a supposed encounter with a jelly from space, um, and I'm going to throw it to Matt um, to kind of uh, basically read the story. Um, uh, this is from... Um, an article from the website 13thfloor.tv um, about the true story behind the blob. So, Matt, what exactly happened uh, in September of 1950? So, two veteran police officers um, from, from Philadelphia, uh, Joe Keenan and John Collins, they saw a large sparkly mass fall to the earth. They chased it. They found that the mass was purple and indeed glittering. The cops described it as purple jelly that was approximately six feet in diameter and about a foot high at the apex. Of course, the mass was pulsating, and when the officers uh, turned off their flashlights, it actually seemed to glow as if uh, bioluminescent. Keenan and Collins then actually called for backup, and two more cops showed up, and they also witnessed the wonder of the blob. Sergeant Joe Cook, he actually uh, drew the short straw, so to speak, and he picked up a handful of the seemingly solid object it actually broke apart in his hand um with tiny globules sticking to his skin and then within seconds it was actually evaporated and he was left with an odorless scum on his hand after 30 minutes the blob actually evaporated entirely um all four of the officers believe that the blob was a living organism this isn't actually this isn't the first time that a blob-like material was found in 19 in 1846 
in Louisville, New York. Scientific American actually reported a meteor falling with a blob-like jelly substance four feet in diameter. Um, star jelly is a commonly reported occurrence, but one exception is that it could also be vomit from uh, amphibian-eating creatures. So basically, a creature eats an amphibian, they puke up this weird blob-like substance. There's also certain types of mold that people have theorized um, over a time period that it could be that could have similar properties to what's being described here. So uh, there's a couple maybe more rational experiences, but maybe, <laughs> just maybe, this was an alien from outer space. Well, there's that thing recently that they found under the ice in the Antarctic where that, that Wilford Brimley was tweeting about. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, I I mean, I, I don't, I'm not sure if I believe that there was actually a a blob that these guys encountered, but apparently there were like some witnesses and townsfolk that backed up their story. Uh, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to say it is something that for sure happened the way that it's been told, but, um, but that was kind of the inspiration for, uh, for the blob. Um, and, uh, one thing that you can say about Harris is he was really, uh, he was very keen on, he didn't want to make a movie that felt like it was going to be um, cheap or something that was going to be merely, you know, exploitative. Um, he really kind of, with what very little money um, they had to make this thing, he, he really set out to, you know, he was like, I want people I, he basically didn't want anyone to believe that they were watching an independent film he was like i want it to have you know that it'd be in color and kind of have the same kind of like studio gloss that you would expect from bigger movies of the time um so he actually uh went uh to gather funding um he found funding through valley forge films uh who was actually a company that specialized in making short Christian uh, films. Um, and uh, uh, Theodore uh, Simonson, who was a minister, and uh, former actress Kate Phillips uh, wrote the screenplay with uh, Irvin S. Yeworth directing. Um, uh, and I believe Yeworth was also a former director of these like Christian movies that this company did. Um and uh, he would go on to direct Dinosaurus and the 4D Man for, for Jack Harris. Um, the original screenplay was titled The Molten Meteor. Uh, it went through several titles, the, the Mineral Monster, then The Glob That Gobbled the Globe, uh, and, <laughs> <laughs> and then it was changed to j just The Glob. Um, and then uh, they had found out that there was a children's book called The Glob, um, so it was retitled The Blob. Um, it was filmed over the course of 31 days uh, with a budget of only $110,000, which, um, I mean, even back then was basically like peanuts. Um, but they sold the movie to Paramount for $300,000. So, I mean, it was already, you know, mildly profitable when they uh, they sold it to Paramount, and then it grossed over $4 million at the box. Carry us through uh, just what this blob is all about. So, teenager, our main character, Steve Andrews, played by Steve McQueen and his girlfriend, uh, Jane, 
they are smooching it up at the uh, lover's lane when they see a meteorite crash beyond the next hill. Um, they're like, hey, let's go check this out. And they stumble upon the old man and his dog. And he pokes around the meteor with like a stick, breaks open, and the small jelly-like substance inside attaches himself to his hand. He uh, he's in a lot of pain and he's trying to he can't get it off and kind of in a panic he runs basically in the middle of the street and he almost gets hit by Steve's car. So they agree to take him in the car. Let's get him to the doctor. Um, eventually, the blob ends up uh, killing the old man, the nurse that is trying to assist the doctor. They're talking about amputating the guy's arm, and then the doctor himself, um, Steve is the only one to see the doctor die. He sees the uh, doctor struggling with the blob, kind of like behind these blinds. They call the cops. Um, The cops, of course, don't believe them. And it's kind of one of those deals where like, oh, these stupid kids don't know anything. And they're obviously lying about this. And uh, off we go to the races. Then throughout the rest of the the movie, uh, the blob sort of starts taking other people out. He kills some people in a, um, a mechanic shop and, Eventually, that leads us to our climax at the uh, diner. Um, well, first, actually, the blob goes into a theater, and that's kind of one of the more famous scenes in the entire movie. And it, there's a bunch of people coming out of a now-famous theater that's still in existence, and we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Uh, then they go to a diner, and the blob is trying to get to the people inside the diner. They eventually realize that um, it reacts to cold, and they end up basically freezing the blob, getting it to the Arctic, and bearing it with the words the end which then transform into a, a question mark that's kind of the cliff notes version of the don't forget scene. at the very end they say as long as the arctic stays frozen we don't have to worry about the blob <laughs> post that did not age well um it's fine <laughs> uh so i think we all kind of watched this with a uh, fresh uh, eyes. I mean, I th- I think we probably had all seen it before. I think this is a, a movie that is really well known, especially among guys like us. But um, yeah, uh, general uh, impressions uh, this go round. Anyone who want anyone want to start us off with um, yeah, you know, it, the review? I'm sure I I. Well, I know I've seen it before where I sat down and watched it, right? I mean, uh, probably in college or somewhere around there, maybe a little after college. But um, I used to see this on TV, like every not not all the time, you know, not like I feel like I used to see the uh, the Planet of the Apes movies like all the time on TV, but I used to see this. Don't you miss when like you could just turn on the TV and this would be playing on like. A channel that's not TCM. Yeah, it'd be like TBS or <laughs> yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, and and so yeah, it's it's a movie that I've seen like pieces of a bunch over the years. Um, but this was my first time in I don't know maybe like a decade sitting down and and actually watching it. Um, and I enjoyed it. But I definitely noticed some stuff that I don't think I really noticed in the past. Specifically, Steve McQueen looks like he's about 53. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's crazy was. That, that, yeah, that this is his first movie. And yeah, he's 
I, he was actually like in his thirties. Like I think he was like <laughs> he 30, was twenty. He was twenty eight, but he looks like he looks like a haggard twenty eight. Like he had been smoking something since the day yeah. he was born. Nothing sticks out about that the most is when like like his dad has to like come and talk to him, <laughs> and like when he's got to like. Uh, there's a part where uh, like he he goes home from the police station and like. His parents are like, go to bed, and like he he like has to like pretend to like be asleep, like that thing like kids do, and and it's just like it, it's you're watching you're watching like a thirty five year old man <laughs> like, <laughs> like pretend to be to, scared of his dad. Yeah, <laughs> oh my God. his mom's like talking about how he well he's only seventeen. I'm like that's some bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> um. And I don't know. It's uh, it's still cool. Like it, it is really cool to see uh, how well made it is um, for a B movie. You know, uh, and it's it's tough because because these days I think you know it's it's really tough for people to a lot of you know maybe younger people to understand. And I would even say people from a lot of people from our generation to really understand what like. B movies were in the fifties and sixties because you know B movies since about the mid nineties aren't movies that get released in theaters at all anymore. You know B movies get just dropped direct to video or direct to Sci Fi Channel. So um, it's cool to see a movie that was a was considered a B movie that still got theatrical play that like looks as good as this does. You know, this is definitely like a classy production, even if they've got, you know, adult people playing teenagers. <laughs> um, and and it's got some really solid effects work, I think. Yeah, uh, and and um, I think I it's probably because I don't even know what I watched it on last. I mean, it could have been VHS for all I know, but um, I streamed it off of uh, the Criterion Channel, and it's like their print was just like gorgeous like i and i was like yeah this doesn't look like a movie that was made for like five dollars like uh like the colors pop um and yeah the just seeing what they're able to get out of the effects work with like what little money they had um is is pretty impressive it's a lot of fun uh sorry i was just gonna say like i um it's a lot, like, the the film just it really does pop off the screen. It does look very, I don't know, highbrow almost, and and I, I appreciate that for sure. I mean, it's it's it was obviously made with a lot of love, and you can't say that as Tom was talking about like the nineteen fifties movies, like you can't the the B movie productions, like that's not what this movie looks like at all. Yeah, and I mean, like you go, you look at like other movies uh, that were, you know, the B movie, drive-in movies that were coming out at the time, and a lot of them were, you know, filmed in black and white, you know, starring, you know, no disrespect because I love the guy, but starring like a very like washed up and let's face it, high Bella Lugosi, um, <laughs> and you know, with just nonsensical you know storylines and just like oh you know get this thing made cheap and get it in drive-ins get the money and go on to the next thing you know and i mean like yeah the, the, or, or you know or they had like 
B-roll laying around from something, and they were like, oh, just shoot 10 minutes extra footage and get a movie out of this, you know, like... Yeah, it was it was a lot of a lot of B movies were like, yeah, get repurpose some stock footage, you know, and and you could make a movie out of a of a bunch of nature footage we have of, of reptiles fighting each other and call them giant dinosaurs, you know, like and yeah, that's that's not what this is. <laughs> yeah. Or like they'll glue like a fin to like an iguana and <laughs> like make it fight another lizard or <laughs> like in in like a backyard or something like oh my God. you know and they paint those things too like they actually use paint like made yeah red. some of them some of them um <laughs> but yeah you you could tell care went into that and i know i brought lugosi but even like um even like his stuff with ed wood uh like ed wood was obviously like not a good filmmaker but like you could at least tell that like he actually cared about what he was doing but yeah i mean you hear so often like someone interviewing um you know someone related to one of those directors or something and like the people that made these didn't it like thought they were junk you know but yeah the blob is one of those cases where they had someone like jack harris who um you know, if he kept making movies on the production end, he probably could have been like another Roger Corman. But, um, but yeah, it really didn't feel like they half-assed anything, and like they had to get like having a certain amount of ingenuity when it came to the effects and how they wanted to to you know, I guess make things look as good as like some of the competing films um but yeah i mean it's it's fairly well paced you know it's a very breezy brisk movie that is like the storyline is so simple that it it makes it more appealing you know it's just it's a boy who cried wolf story and at the very end, you know, the town comes together and defeats the blob and, and, you know, it, it, it also kind of no- feels like it kind of knows what it is. I mean, there's like a, there's a kind of a fun, uh, kitsch factor and, you know, it has, the movie has a sense of humor. Um, so that's the stuff that works for me. Um, if there's any, if- I, I like the, I like the, um, I don't know how to describe them because they're not bullies, but I like those characters actually. The 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 street racers or whatever <laughs> they are that they're introduced and you think, oh, here's gonna be like your prototypical antagonists, you know? Here's gonna be like this guy's gonna be a real a hole, like you know, and he's gonna cause more problems than he solves, and you know, you know, like ultimately you're gonna see him get eaten by the blob, and you're that guy you know like and and that's not what that character ends up being he ends up being just you know like um a friend of steve's and you know they're just they're just competitive because they like to street race each other like they're just they're just other quote-unquote teenagers um that are also in their mid-40s but uh (laughs) they're you know they're they're not like they're not super stereotypical characters especially given the way they're introduced i like that that about those characters (laughs) this movie also has that thing where uh and it's kind of like part of its charm so i kind of say it with affection where like 
It's supposed to be, it's about teenagers, but you can tell that whoever wrote it is like an old guy who (laughs) probably (laughs) has had very little like experience with teenagers. And they're talking in a lot of the like kind of, I guess, what you would call kind of 50s slang or, you know, because they're kind of like greaser types. You know, like there's the part where they, they go back to the old, the, the guy's cabin and, you know, they're, they're looking at the, the pieces of the meteor and the guy's like, you mean this thing's been hot rodding around uh, out in the universe? <laughs> like, nobody talked. Yeah, I, I wasn't around then, so I can't confirm, but there's, nobody talked like that, I don't think. <laughs> it's like when you watch, if, watch like, uh, you know, an old black exploitation movie and it's like, you can tell whoever wrote this doesn't know anything about black people. Like, <laughs> Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't have any real issues that stand out. I would say there's a, there's a little bit, um, probably in the middle between, you know, uh, uh, when they, um, foresee the blob and are trying to convince everyone that the blob is real, where I, I think it gets a little redundant. Um, but, uh, and then oh, the finale, I mean, honestly, isn't that exciting, which is probably due to budgetary stuff because, you know, they, they, they didn't have the money to kind of show a lot of what was going on. Um, you know, with the blob, uh, yeah. it, you know, in like, trying to eat the the diner that they're trapped in um it's weird too though that the finale kind of just hops in out of nowhere you know like it doesn't and maybe it's just because because the movie is so short right like it doesn't feel like it's time for the finale yet and then it just like all of a sudden it is the climax you know and and um and it's a it's a little ill-defined Right. Like, okay, the blob is on top of the diner. How much time do they have? How long does it take them to go get those fire extinguishers and get back? Like, there's a lot of weird movie magic time stuff where like seconds are minutes and minutes are hours and minutes are seconds. And, you know, like there's a weird ticking clock aspect to it that is really ill defined. And so it's hard to to feel the ticking clock and feel the tension of it because you don't really understand like do they do they have like three minutes to live in the diner and it takes them two minutes to get to the high school like you know there's there's no there's a ticking clock but it's not well defined so it's hard to get drawn up into it did you guys like when the principal had to like weigh the the morality of breaking the, into the school to get the 40 <laughs> fire extinguishers. He like grabs the stone, he looks at it like, "Oh my god, this is the worst thing I'm ever going to have to do." <laughs> um, oh, you know who's awesome is like I don't even know if we see the character more than once. But <laughs> like uh uh when I guess the blob is attacking, it's, there's like this old couple in their bedroom and <laughs> This old guy wakes up, and he's in his pajamas, and he thinks he's hearing an air raid, and he gets up, and he puts on, like, <laughs> he puts on, like, his, uh, like, 
Air Force helmet or whatever. And then, and then he, and then I don't know if he says it or if his wife says it or he's like, oh no, I think it's a fire engine. And then he puts, he, he goes in his closet and he puts on a fire, a firefighter's yes. helmet. <laughs> and it's just like that. I would watch a whole movie about that guy. Oh my god. He belongs, he belongs in the sequel, honestly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. The the sequel's basically like that scene for like a movie if it was <laughs> like interpreted by aliens or something. Um oh my god, and you know who else is like <laughs> so impossibly frustrating that it's hilarious is the uh when they um <laughs> when they the doctor dies and like disappears there's like uh the lady that's like I guess watching the the house oh, that it's in or whatever caretaker or whatever yeah. yeah and the and the police are like okay you know this is a crime scene like don't touch anything and she won't stop like trying to clean up the mess <laughs> and and the police are trying to explain to her how like you know you 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 can't like like you 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 know you can't touch anything you know what there's fingerprints and she says something like. I don't remember. She says something really stupid about fingerprints, like, um, like, like, oh, God, what did she say? Why they can get them even though she's, like, basically making a mess, but I don't remember exactly what she said. Yeah, and, and, and the scene goes on. <laughs> it feels like the scene goes on for, like, five minutes of her trying to clean and the police, like, trying to explain to her why she can't do that. Um, so, yeah, I, I kind of like the kind of bizarre sense of humor um i think the effects work is pretty solid like um you know every time the blob uh uh eats something like it gets more red um and that's another thing that you know having it in color like really kind of um it takes advantage of 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 that um like even like at the end i mean some of the effects work really is works better than it probably should even like at the end when the blob is like the size of you know a house or a diner or whatever and like they show it like um like uh you know against you know buildings basically like all they did really was like pretty much like take pictures or um and and like put them on like a board and put like and film it in a way that like it makes the blob look like it's about to like you know creep up on these buildings when it's really just in front of a 2d like photograph or illustration and like it looks pretty good you know and it's like yeah they didn't have these guys didn't even have money to make like miniatures and they had to find a way around it so like uh so yeah I, i think some of that works way better than like when you see it then it should on paper for sure yeah i uh i didn't even think like i thought maybe it was like matte paintings or something you know like yeah Yeah, it's basically like yeah it's basically like stuff like that there's um the angry video game nerd did a a video where he went to uh blob fest which is like basically a weekend-long blob like celebration where like they show the movie they do all this stuff yeah um and he went there and like they still and like they um the guy who owns the the props or whatever um i guess is a private collector but every year he um 
he brings like the uh, the original blob itself, which is still in existence. Um, and he, he brings it in like the original, uh, like bucket that they had like on set. Um, and he also brings like some of those like little, um, like backdrops that they filmed it against. Um, so yeah, it's a cool video. Um, the, well, this is part of our trivia, so I guess I'll just kind of piggyback into it but yeah it's in phoenixville pennsylvania they do blob fest and it you know it's kind of grown to incorporate other things like they did like a, a king kong versus godzilla like anniversary screening and uh <clears throat> i think they had like august Rigoni there to like introduce it or something but um it's also the it's, it's basically where the movie was like made so like it's the site of the diner um, in the movie theater, which is still there, um, in the movie theater will, like, show the movie, and then when it comes to the part where everyone runs out, they'll, like, pause the movie, and, like, the people in the audience, like, will stage, like, a run-out, where they all run out of the theater, um, they have, like, Steve McQueen look-alike contests, um, yeah, the I, oldest guy wins, by the this way. is the oldest guy wins? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but uh yeah, the the Cinemassacre video where he went there was was pretty fun. Um so yeah, I recommend uh people check that out. And you you get to see like the condition that some of the the props and stuff are in now. Um but uh so um uh do you guys want to do trivia or yeah, let's, do, let's let Tom do the trivia real quick and then we'll give our yeah, there's not much. Yeah, so this is even something I I kind of noted, and, and we've noted this throughout. But yeah, <laughs> yeah this, it was filmed. It was filmed in color, uh, which you know showed showed off the red. And I mean, we've we've talked about that a little bit, but yeah, it's uh, it's really you can't really overstate how important it was that a B movie made in 1958 was filmed in color. Um, movies in general were just starting to adopt the color aesthetic and for uh, a cheap B movie to, to have that, that's a, a like a big a big deal. You know, it'd be it'd be like if uh, if the next uh, asylum movie was filmed in three D, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, because for it, Forbidden Planet I think was fifty six and that was like a huge color sci-fi movie. But again, that was like a, at the time, like MGM, like budget. really like yeah. pouring a lot of money into it. Um, the blobs effects were primarily achieved with silicon and red vegetable dye, uh, at other times by expanding a weather balloon and it becomes more red. Like we talked about with each victim it kills. I always kind of interpreted that as, uh, like as it kills someone, it like kind of pulsates its blood around their bot its body. Um, I don't know if anyone else ever ever thought that. No, but, that's but kind uh, of how that's, I always that's an interesting way to look at it, and it's it's definitely something that feels like it's out of the eighties version. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I was gonna say that sounds like the eighties, Um it was viewed by a lot of people, probably because you know you had this big red blob um that you know was unthinking unfeeling uh no real morality to it no uh no religion anything like that 
It was viewed by a lot of people as being a metaphor for communism, but Harris himself has disputed that and said that that's not true. So it's kind of one of those things, um, I think, where it's not the intention, but, you know, you're also in the height of the Cold War, so maybe it kind of subconsciously slipped in there. And, I mean, that's an easy read (laughs) also, especially, like, at the time you had stuff like... um, uh, you did have that coming up in, uh, uh, like, different um, horror movies and stuff. Uh, so, well, when is Body Snatchers? Uh, Body I mean, Snatchers, the original was 56, so only a couple years before this. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things where they probably weren't thinking about it, and if, if it's there, it's probably subconscious, but uh, it reminds me of, like... Um, like Tar- Quentin Tarantino's interpretation of King Kong that's in like Inglorious Bastards where it's like he's brought over in chains and um you know it's like they didn't th- know it it probably didn't know it and they didn't mean to do it but you know it it it's a movie it's very easy easy to read it as like a, the plight of you know a slave coming to America and you know it's like Tarantino even said he was like whether they intended to do it or not they did it <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> <laughs> um and then the last piece we have of trivia here for this is that the title song beware the blob uh remember that name was uh, written and performed by Bert Mr. Bert Bacharach um who wrote raindrops keep falling on my head and uh was I don't know if anyone else remembers this. Somewhat, somewhat infamously, kind of uh, made a cameo in the first Austin Powers movie. <laughs> yes, I do uh, remember that. And Mac David of Cinderella fame, I believe that's your bippity boppity boo guy. Um, it reached the the song reached number thirty three on the Billboard charts, and uh, it's kind of kicked off a little bit of a. A little bit of a tradition among B-movies of, you know, having their own theme song. I mean, we've got Green Slime. Um, That's a good one. You know, later later in, like, the 80s, I know, like, uh, Monster Squad had its own theme song. Uh, Freddy, at one point, had, like, his own rap song. He had a rap <laughs> album. <laughs> Believe it or not. And it's actually Robert Oh, my God, what a time to be alive in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, this is kind of kicks off that tradition. It's kind of interesting little piece of trivia for the blob. It is uh, weird that, like, uh, that's a s- strange way to kick off a horror movie, which I I, I think it's, I, at some point there was, like, just score over the credits, and they, for whatever reason, were like, let's get a weird pop song in here. <laughs> Very catchy. By the way, I'm humming it. I've been humming it, like muting myself and humming it as soon as we started talking about it. It is a catchy song. I'm not gonna lie. Um. So how many uh, how many 35 year old high school students do you give the original Blob? So I'm at a very solid three. Uh. Everything it does, it does pretty well, but it's also sort of, I don't know, nothing is overly remarkable, if that makes sense. And so while I enjoy it, 
um, I, I much prefer the next two films. And but I don't really have anything negative to say about it, um, other than I feel like it's just kind of like, hey, I'll sit down, watch it, enjoy it, really admire the production values that they got, especially for that you know being made for for two pennies. Um, but I also feel like it could have used a little more oomph, I guess, especially the climax as we kind of talked about. Um, and it spends a little too much time. Like they, they spend a pretty good chunk of time getting to the school to get the fire extinguishers. And one of my favorite moments or maybe not so favorite is like, there's like a, a bazillion race car kind of thing, like street cars pulling up at the same time. So they could show up, show off all the, uh, the 50 muscle car stuff. Um, <laughs> I got a kick out of that anyway. So, but yeah, I'm at a very solid three. Yeah, I'm right there. Um, I'm at a solid three. Um, it, it does some things pretty well. Uh, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty to look at. Uh, but there's, there's no characters in this movie. You know I mean? This whole time we talked about like, uh, Steve, right. And he's the main character. And what is this guy other than the the main character? You know, um, it's it's. So tell me about Steve. Well, he's the main character. Okay, what else? Well, that's it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's on a date, and the date goes crazy. Yeah. So some of his some of their banter in the opening scene is kind of fun. So there's there's there's, there's some some stuff it doesn't do so great and. You know, it's uh, the like we said that the climax is. It's never a a downer because you never f- even feel like it's building you up for the climax, honestly. Um, so, it, but you never really feel like you get that big kind of crescendo and then and then resolution. It just the movie just kind of ends. Um, yeah, I'm I'm at a solid three out of five. Um, I'm, I think I, I think mine came down to a three and a half, but, you know, it's kind of just like, you know, your three is different from Matt's three and my three and a half is different from your three and a half. So, but because like everything you guys said is basically like my thoughts on it. I mean, um, yeah, there's nothing really wrong with it. Um, it's just, you know, if I'm, it's just, it's not something that I would watch, you know, every year or so. Um, and it's done much better than a lot of the other things that were out at the time. Uh, and, um, it's, it's a movie that, that does really work though. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of right, right with you. Um, but yeah, I'm going to stick with a, a, a solid three and a half. Um, uh, it's, it's a charming movie, but it's not, like, an all-time favorite. Um, okay, so we're gonna go, uh, to the sequel to The Blob, um, which is Beware the Blob, a.k.a. Son of Blob, which is 1972, uh, so it's been quite a while, um, so... Uh, Matt, uh, hit us with some, some history on Beware the Blob. So after the Blob, Harris actually wanted to do a sequel, basically, I mean, since the early 60s. He did pitch a widescreen color version, uh, called Son of Blob in 1964, and then again in 71. 
the film was written by his son, uh, Anthony, and with uh, Jack Woods, although much of the script was basically ignored and most of the film is improvised, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot about that. <laughs> that is not surprising <laughs> at all. Um, the film was directed by Larry Hagman, who played JR on the TV series Dallas, the Who Shot JR thing. Uh, Hagman and Jack Harris have different stories when it comes to how the film came about. Harris says that Hagman told him he never actually seen the original Blob, and so Harris ran a print for him. Hagman told him that the uh, told him the film holds up and asked why he never made a sequel. And then Harris's son suggested he and Hagman write one, um, and then Hagman agreed to that. The Hagman version of that story is that uh, he and Harris were hanging out in a jacuzzi. And Harris told Hagman that his son had written a sequel to The Blob and he should star in it. And Harris said he would like to be involved, but that he d- would like to direct and not star. There you go. Huh. <laughs> what a weird thing to have, like, two completely different, like, <laughs> hist- stories of. <laughs> yeah, like, not even on the same wavelength. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, it's not like, oh, we, you know, one or two details are like, this is a totally different... <laughs> Um, but I mean, it's not, everything about this movie is weird. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so Tom, uh, good luck. Yeah. Uh, give I us the reason we, we were talking, I was, I was telling Bird, like I, I picked you for this, Tom, because I really enjoy your synopsis and I'm like, this has Tom written all over it. So enjoy, man. Yeah. <laughs> you, okay. you were able to get us through linking love synopsis. So that is true. So <laughs> you, you got the Lord work on that. <laughs> Um, so, uh, where to begin? (laughs) Uh, jeez, where to begin? Um, Beware the Blob is a fever dream. And it begins, ultimately, with, uh, a technician from the Antarctic... (laughs) <laughs> bringing home a a piece of the blob from the Arctic as a sample. Now he doesn't know that that's what it is, but that's that's what it is. And we don't know why uh, he did that either. Isn't yeah. it like in his thermos? Am I and making that up? <laughs> he's on like he's on his days off, and he never brings it to like the the the, the lab for analysis or anything. He instead goes home to go camping, um, in his house. Yeah, he has a tent, tent in his house. Uh, where he's where he's fishing out of the tent in his house. Um, and, uh, you know, there's various distractions to, to their life. Uh, his wife is getting back from grocery shopping. She has bought him more beer that he puts in his tackle box. Uh, the local Boy Scout troop, whose uh, scout master is obsessed with mustard plants, is out for a, a walk, a nature hike. They're going to try and climb the nearby mountain. Um, there, there's, there's all these distractions going on, and so the, the blob ends up getting left out of the freezer. And um, as, as the missus is, uh, is petting the cat and, and, acting, and asking the cat if that's activating his glands, um, the blob gets its first little taste of a flesh again, and it, and it eats a fly. We we um, should mention that Chester, the technician that brought the the blob back, is 
uh, pouring can upon can of beer into a big flower vase, and he's <laughs> dropping the like pull tabs from the can into his. Yeah, what was drink. it was drinks? <laughs> well, it's weird. So half the time, so <laughs> some of the time he's pouring his cans into the flower vase and drinking out of it. Sometimes he's drinking out of the can itself, but only after he pulls the pull tab off and then drops the pull tab into his can. <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> I no, I, I don't think that's normal behavior. No. Um. So any, anyways, the the blob you know starts starts eating people. Um. Why do the two kids come over to his house? <laughs> You mean the girl and the yeah? They're 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 vibes okay, to okay. Okay, so so t- I'll I'll help Tom get through this next part. So we go oh, to no, so that so while the blob is <laughs> is is starting its rampage, we shift over to a surprise party that's being uh, set up for, um, I believe it's Bobby, one of the main characters, um, and it's being set up by his girlfriend uh, Lisa. And uh, their other friend, I think it's Marianne, who is welding something. We never um, find out what, but she has the mask. What and... robot is that she's welding and soldering on? We never find out what it does, <laughs> why she was welding on it. Um, and meanwhile, like Lisa, the other one is like getting ready for this party by like she's like cleaning the same table, like over and over and over. <laughs> Um, and then she has to take Bobby out to be like, you know, it's a surprise. So we, we have to go, go to the surprise party. And then for some reason they go to Chester's house. Why do they go to Chester? She, uh, she says his present is there, but like, I don't know, like why, I don't know what like their relationship to Chester is. Like, I don't know how they know him or what he does. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like I don't know. I don't, I don't think the film tells us or cares. They I don't know why. He, I don't know why he has the his birthday present. I don't know. Um. So she sees Chester being eaten by the blob. She runs out and tells Bobby, "Oh my God, the blob's eating him!" And Bobby like goes into the house and he doesn't see anything. So he's like, "It's okay, honey. We'll just go home. I'll make you an avocado sandwich." Uh. And she's like, "Oh, okay." Um, on their way, they, they, uh, almost run, um, a a guy off the road, uh, Mr. Edward Fazio. He's played by Richard Stahl. Uh, he has like 10,000 beer cans in his car that go sliding out whenever he slams on his brakes for some reason. Um, and, and meanwhile, the, the blob is, is running loose. And, um, when Lisa and Bobby get to the party, Lisa like freaks out again, and so Bobby goes to take her to, to her house, I think, and he's like, come on, come down, I'll make you an avocado sandwich with bacon. And she's like, oh, bacon? And now she's totally turned on. Um, yeah, she's, <laughs> she's trying to get down to do pants on the car, right? And, and then when they go to her house or his house, whatever's house, they see the blob again, and so she freaks out, but he sees it this time. So now he's like, oh, we got to convince everyone that the blob is coming. And um, for no reason at all, everyone at the party believes him. And everyone at the party is wearing costumes. 
Yeah, I don't know what kind party. of birthday party that is. Yeah, it was like they were like, "Hey, we're gonna do birthday party." JK, it's actually Halloween, but they never carried that theme over for the rest of the movie. So then we 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 zip around the town while the blob is like while they're trying to convince people that the blob is real. The blob goes after these two these these uh, these two people who are in a like a drainage pipe getting <laughs> high, and a, a cop who's about to. I don't know, like sexually assault them. Like, <laughs> well, the the girl hippie uh, is uh, Cindy Williams from Laverne and Shirley. Before that show happened, and then the yeah. the the cop that the blob uh, eats is Sid Haig, who sadly just passed away. So that makes this episode kind of timely. And then, uh, and then it goes after this barber and his customer. Um, and I, I apologize to the character for calling him a barber because he is not, he is a, <laughs> he is a hair sculptor and artist, if you will. Um, in this tiny little podunk town, he charges $800 for your gun. I think it's 400, but you're on the, it kept getting more expensive <laughs> as he was talking. Well, yeah, uh, this like hippie guy comes in and he's like, I want a haircut. And he's like, it's $400. And he's like, Oh, he's just like, okay. Like. Yeah, he's like, how about a shampoo? And he's like, that's an extra two hundred dollars. And and then it also attacks some uh, like Russian guy who's taking a bath and then throws his phone out the window. We don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> and then he runs around the town naked. Um, then we cut over to the bowling alley where it's. Uh, you know, usual Friday night bowling activities. People eating giant buckets of ice cream with their bare hands. Um, <laughs> this sounds like you're just making this up as you go along. <laughs> and uh, and also the bowling alley has an ice skating rink inside of it. Um, and... Uh, you know the the blob kind of invades the bowling alley. They the police are outside trying to stop it. The, the the main police officer is like, "We're gonna pour gasoline all over it and and fry it." Um, obviously, we all know that's not a not a good idea. It's not gonna work. And um, in in typical blob fashion, at an earlier point in the movie, it's about to get at them. And they accidentally flick the air conditioning on in their car, and it makes the blob retreat from their car. Bobby remembers that, and so conveniently, the blob is on the ice rink. He swings down to the ice rink control panel and uh, and flicks it on and freezes the blob. And uh, then uh, the little kid who lent the sheriff his lighter in order to light all the gasoline on fire, incessantly asks for his lighter back. <laughs> incessantly. Uh, and then and then, while the sheriff is giving an interview to the, to, the, to the local news where he talks about how the president of the United States has contacted them to congratulate them on a job well done, uh, the lights from the... From the, the TV cameras start to melt the blob, kind of, and that's that's the that's the end of this movie. It's this is a, a trip. 
<laughs> you also forgot that it, it attacks three, like, hobos, one of which is Burgess Meredith. <laughs> oh, yeah. Forgot about the three hobos. Yes, it does It does go after them for whatever reason. To get a Burgess, to get that sweet, sweet Burgess <laughs> Meredith cameo money. <laughs> so... This movie is crazy. I mean, I I hadn't It's like seen... it was written by aliens. No, it really it doesn't it feels like a movie that's like not of this earth. Like aliens were like in Hollywood observing human behavior and was like they have these things called movies and <laughs> like we need to blend in, so let's make a movie and this is what happened because like it's just it's it's pure like stream of consciousness. It's like there's no way you can guess what the next scene is going to be because normal people don't think the way that this movie does. Like and like the movie's sense of humor is so bizarre that like I don't even like I don't know why <laughs> it is It's supposed to be funny? Like it's crazy cuz because I've, I've heard a lot of people say, like, oh, it's not funny because it's trying to be. But I'm like, yeah, but it's trying to be. And it's like, it it's like, it, you guys both have kids. Have you ever had your kid tell you a joke or something that they think is a yeah. joke? And they, like, totally, totally whiff on the punchline. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you're like, oh, but that's still funny because they think that that's funny. That's a pretty honestly, Tom. That's I don't think anybody could explain it any better than that. That's well, yeah, a great, like the the, the great comparison. It's like the movie has a sense of humor, but it's not like normal. It, yeah. it, like, there's nothing <laughs> normal about it. <laughs> it's it's it really is like I you know because I told my son the very first joke I ever told my son was knock knock who's there Robin Robin who Robin you give me your money. And then he just started doing it with, he would be like, knock, knock, daddy. And I'd be like, who's there? And he'd be like, telephone. And I'm like, telephone who? Telephone you. Give me your money. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, no, that's not a joke. That is, that's not it. That's not right. But that's like all the humor in this movie. Like, no, it's not a joke that people are eating ice cream with their bare hands. (laughs) That's not a joke. That is not it's not a commentary on anything. It's not a it's not a satire, it's not a parody. Like that that is that's nothing. <laughs> oh my god. It's it's a series of like short short clips, like short five to ten minute segments where like none of the characters who are really that connected all have to die and they were like, Hey, just make shit up and that's what they did and it God, this movie's a blast. It's, I it's love it. Just directed like, by it, Michael Scott. <laughs> It's oh kind of like vignettes of the blob, like inter- interrupting people's like daily activities, <laughs> none of which make any sense. The thing that makes it really work though is that the effects are so like they're so awesome, and the blob it, it's it's it like I don't know it, it feels like it brings you back to like oh this is kind of a really cool monster movie and it, it's interspersed with people like tripping on acid as you're watching it. It's just I don't know it's. It's I, way too much fun. I was not prepared for that. Like, I'd seen <laughs> clips of the movie on YouTube, and then uh, my earliest exposure to the movie was um, 
at the end of like a bootleg VHS that I had. I think it was, I think it was like this really shitty bootleg I had of Dogura, the the Toho movie. And it it after at the end of the movie or like after the movie, it just had like some random trailers. And this was one of them. So it was like I I, w- I knew of some of the the scenes, like I the the scene with the blob like covering the car, like I knew all that. And so I was just like, okay, this is just gonna be like a really dumb like sequel that's gonna be like you know just whatever. And then I I watched it and I started like. T- like uh messaging you guys like as it was on and i was like this is like i normal people don't make movies like that and like and like i watched it like a week before you guys and i was like you guys need to watch this because like i don't know what just happened to me and i can't talk about it with you guys (laughs) 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 <laughs> and then, and then, like Tom started watching it, and he was like live, uh, well, not tweeting because it wasn't on Twitter, but like he was like sending us like his thoughts, like as he was experiencing it, and like it, it was mostly just him saying like, "What is this?" and and like, I, if you were to go back and read those, they they make they would they would make zero sense you know what i mean it would it would if you went if you went back and read those just by themselves you'd be like this person needs to be committed to some sort of <laughs> mental institution cuz cuz it's like it's like why is he fishing inside of his house why yeah <laughs> why is he dropping his beer his beer pull tabs into the cans and then drinking them oh and then, or and then why, we, we forgot why is he drinking out of a face <laughs> why is she asking if the cats glands are activated like <laughs> and nobody acts or talks like a person like <laughs> why is the scoutmaster obsessed with mustard plants <laughs> why does the kid have the lighter why is he the only one with the lighter <laughs> and, and, why does uh, the guy throw his phone out the window <laughs> what is that <laughs> We we also we forgot to mention that uh, when Chester gets killed, he is actually sitting down in his lazy boy, oh, and he's yeah. about ready to watch the original Blob on TV. So it's a sequel with the original Blob as a movie. I don't know why. <laughs> and then and and then yeah, like I mean, like you just follow characters like trying to get somewhere. Like when the girl's trying to 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 like get to her boyfriend or whatever and there's like those guys with like the donkeys and stuff oh like, yeah yeah the like, donkeys like what was that what were they doing to the donkeys exactly because it's not <laughs> what was going on with those guys i don't know who's with that <laughs> i don't really know what they were doing nothing can prepare you for that even us telling you everything that happens you you're, you you'd, you'd still watch this and be like no 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 what no like she, she goes from being like seeing someone get get disintegrated uh and 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 being terrified to being horny as hell because her boyfriend's like how about them avocado sandwiches with bacon yeah he's obsessed like, with avocado sandwiches and like their friend is wearing a gorilla costume and keeps acting like a gorilla. There's a part where, him, oh, him and bro, hi- what about what about the part where, where, 
What about the part where he goes and he fills up their gas tank and uh, and they're like, oh, there's nobody working at this gas station. It's because the blob ate them. And he's like, oh, there's nobody working here? Oh, I'm going to go steal a bunch of beer and snacks. And she's like, stealing gas is one thing. <laughs> Like, but so stealing concessions is too far. <laughs> yeah, that's quite a moral oh compass. <laughs> oh my god. The movie doesn't even have a normal ending because like you think you're gonna get there and like, okay, it's just gonna, you know, cut at the very end and everything's gonna be resolved, and the guy looks down at his uh shoe and he goes, What? And then it just stops. Deadpan. That's the end of the movie basically. Because he realizes the blob is about to eat his leg or whatever. And that's yeah, just, but he doesn't every- seem that alarmed by it. He just goes, what? <laughs> like, look, <laughs> like, that's the end of the movie. <laughs> Remember when they, they go to the, and they go to the birthday party, and then they're there for ten minutes, and they leave. And, like, nobody cares. It's his birthday party. <laughs> yeah, but then it, it all, yeah, the ending is, is even crazier because he's giving his, like, interview to the, to the local news, and... The kid is, can I have my lighter back? Can I have my lighter back? Hey, mister, can I have my lighter back? It's, is is, isn't it like a Zippo, too? It's not even like a, yeah, a, a yeah. lighter that a kid should really have. It's just, it's like a Zippo that people. <laughs> yeah, it's like an expensive lighter. Like a, uh, It's insane. No, this movie is, it's, it's the ravings of a lunatic. Like a, in, Oh, and then there's like. The the main the, the the jerk guy played by Richard Stahl, uh, Mr. Edward Fazio. Richard Stahl, by the way, I am uh, shockingly familiar with this man's uh, filmography. <laughs> I've seen um, he's been in a few things, but I've I've seen this. Uh, I've seen him in Terminal Island, which is a, a crazy movie, crazy exploitation movie about uh, like basically escape from new york or type of thing or escape from la where it's like an island of of you know uh, criminals um he's he was in high anxiety the mel brooks movie so i've seen that and he was in uh, overboard he's like the psychiatrist who uh diagnoses uh, goldie hawn in that movie so anyways he like at the end of the movie he's like oh you know i'm so glad to be alive it really makes you think, you know, about people coming together and what we can do and how we can. And then he's like, and who's going to pay me for my ice rink not being used, huh? Like, <laughs> uh, It's crazy. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, it's this. It's an experience. Uh, <laughs> Why does the, the beer go flying out of his car whenever he slams on his brakes? Yeah, what's up? What's up with the uh, the two people? They show up to the party for like two seconds, and then they leave to go play guitar in the sewer, basically. But they show up for like his gift or something. Why do they and show up to begin with? There's there's also no establishing shot to tell you that they're in a sewer. And <laughs> <laughs> I don't so think you, you know that you, until until like Sid Haig comes into the frame and, and then he eye rapes both of them. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, you have you have no idea where they are, except like some weird echo chamber. <laughs> yeah, un- thought, until I, the police show up. 
<laughs> and the one and the one cop is like, dude, we, we have to go. We're getting calls about like people being missing and dying. And the one guy's like, no, just leave me here with these two hippies. Yeah, Sid so that Haig I just stays there, and like he has his gun out the whole time. Yeah. Well, I don't know why. <laughs> Nobody knows why about anything in this movie. And we never see those two hippies die either. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> I will say though that within a, within a week or so of all three of us having watched it, we all we all got the Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> so i mean that yeah, that happens that that tells you something i don't know what it tells you <laughs> but i'll leave that open to interpretation i guess but <laughs> um i yeah uh, i was not like this movie it, it was like what like the feeling i got when i used when i would watch like a something like just like okay uh I don't know what I'm getting into, but okay, press play. Like, like when I watch like a movie like Street Trash for the first time, and I'm like, what just happened? Like, air, <laughs> like air collision. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, and so it's it's just a baffling experience. So, all right, I have a few bits of trivia. Um, so yeah, I mean, we're mentioning a lot of names here. Uh, I mean, uh, a lot of people before they got famous. But so Larry Hagman is the director. Uh, you have appearances from Burgess Meredith, Richard Stahl, Sid Haig, um, uh, Cindy Williams, um, <clears throat> and uh, a lot of these are just people that like uh, like Larry Hagman was able to get involved because he um, like lived close to to Jack Harris, and then Burgess Meredith was his next door neighbor, and he was like, "Hey, I'm making like a." blob movie do you want to be in it and he was like i guess uh so um uh um godfrey cambridge the comedian plays chester um so yeah there's like this revolving door of of cameos but and some of them are people that at the time weren't famous um Speaking of people not being famous yet, um, the famous cinema, cinematographer Dean Cundey, um, I mean, you would know him, from, he's, he shot Halloween, The Thing, The Fog, Jurassic Park, Back to the Future, uh, I mean, he's one of the, the best cinematographers in the business, but this is one of his uh, first jobs, he has uh, credits on the film as a second unit camera operator, um, I think he shot a lot of the cat stuff, um, and he was one of the three special effects artists, um, one of whom was uh, a guy named Tim Barr, who helped with stop motion and Mighty Joe Young and um, uh, Dinosaurus. Um, <clears throat> the Blob was created a little differently um, in this movie. Uh, this one was done by mixing red dyed powder mixed with water, um, and that kind of helped them create whatever consistency they needed. Um, uh, the hobos. This uh, is my. Uh, this is hot take. This is my favorite looking blob. Ooh, wow! That is a hot take. Um, the three hobos. Uh, one of them is Burgess Meredith, of course. Um, the other one is Del Close, um, who actually shows up in the next movie as well. Uh, he's the one with the eye patch. He wears an eye patch because uh, shortly before. 
he had to shoot his scene. Uh, his cat scratched his eyeball. <laughs> Um, and when he got to the set, he was given painkillers uh, to help him get through it, and that quickly just devolved into chaos on the set as every actor, stagehand, whoever was offering him different drugs, and it turned into like this competition of who who on set has the best drugs. This explains a lot, honestly, about the movie. Also, cats are assholes. If you <laughs> I like cats. Um, and then uh, Larry Hagman played the third hobo, and uh he doesn't have he's the only one of the three that doesn't have any lines and if you thought some of this trivia was strange or anything like the reason this isn't this is just speculation but it's speculated that the reason he doesn't have any lines is he actually refused to speak on sundays in the mo- in the in so it's theorized that the the scene was shot on a sunday and that was a day that he didn't talk Huh. So so on Sundays he would walk around with a little notepad around his neck and like write out things to people. Uh, Is there like a reason for, for that? Uh, it started with some kind of religious practice, I think, and it like, was. Just, I know there's like there's like like Mormons and some Christians like are very they value the Sabbath, which they consider to be Sunday. Yeah, like it's that, related to he, that. I don't. He, but he wasn't Christian, as far as I know. Well, he was I, like, I don't know if I don't know if that um, I don't know if that had if that's why or if it's something that he knew about and tried it and was just like I like this. It's weird either way, but uh, apparently, <laughs> apparently, that's also like the day that he was with Harris and they were talking about it that he like when he's said uh well this is the jack harris version when he said like i've never seen the blob he that was like he wrote it down (laughs) he's like writing notes or like having a conversation he's passing notes the whole time um so yeah oh one thing i will say that i don't know if it's a hot take or not but um i do think that this the finale of this movie kind of gives you a lot of blob action and you know you you get to see a lot of the things that the original movie might not have had the money to show us um so you get to see more like crowd panic you get to see the blob in you know more of its glory you know it 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 seems to grow be able to grow a little bigger in this movie like uh you know it, you get to see it like flood a bowling alley and and stuff like that so when it I, comes in through those windows <clears throat> at the one in the bowling alley that's a that's a really good looking shot yeah like yeah it's like leaking in through the windows like that yeah yeah so i actually i think the finale provides a certain amount of oomph that the original doesn't i mean i don't (laughs) i don't know that i don't think you can say it's a better movie but i i do think i kind of like it more just because it's like there's nothing else really like it like i mean we can draw comparisons to other like just crazy unpredictable movies but it's still like its own thing and it's just a huge wtf basically it's like wtf the movie (laughs) (laughs) guys i I love this movie i don't know like i I was laughing hysterically and then the blob stuff happens and like it's 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 all really well shot really well staged really well handled honestly some of the shots especially like the first uh guys is chester whatever his death is it's kind of horrifying like you see it like attaching itself to like his face and kind of coming off and it's got this body horror sort of esque vibe to it for the moment and it's 
the monster stuff is all really well done. And then when you couple that with just the sheer hilarity of not knowing what to expect on people and with how they're going to talk, like they don't say hi to people in this movie. They say salutations, salutations. And it's like, <laughs> who talks like this? Yeah, no, it's not normal. Cleaning, like, you got one lady, you know, cleaning the same thing over and over at the party. Um, and it's already been cleaned by the way. There's no dust of any kind. She's got like a feather duster brush and stuff off. I mean, it's just, it's insane. And I loved like every, that's why I bought the Blu-ray. Like I don't go out and buy a ton of movies. I bought this and I, I blame you guys mostly because of peer pressure, but it's, it's one that I'm going to revisit. And honestly, I really, I really like this movie a lot. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm right there with you guys. So I don't know how you want to do like a rating. How many, uh, <laughs> there's a lot of things you could do. How many avocado this. sandwiches? Yeah. How many avocado sandwiches with bacon do you give this out of? five oh for this this goes this goes on the negative scale oh yeah like, that goes without saying. like <laughs> totally a hundred percent this is this is you know so bad it's great um it, it it is the fevered maniacal ravings of of an unmedicated lunatic um it's appropriate that we're doing this right as uh, Joker is debuting in theaters because uh, uh, this yeah, movie was this, like, <laughs> this movie was made by the Joker. Yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> this, this sense of humor in this movie is uh, is Arthur Flex. Like it's it's <laughs> it's people laughing at non punchlines, not laughing at normal punchlines. It is it is insane. Um, I give this a negative four out of five. Dude, yeah, this is, you know, we, we talked about this movie being made by aliens, but I think it was made by aliens who observed people tripping on acid and then thought that was normal behavior. So, like, I'm with Tom. I, I think it's it's a four out of five for me on the negative scale. I, I, I really like this movie a lot. It's, yeah. it's nonstop fun. So the further away you get from zero on the negative, the better a bad yeah. movie it is and so like on a real scale i would probably give it like more like a three which is like i don't even that probably sounds crazy but like as a negative this is like a negative four four and a half this is just <laughs> wall-to-wall bananas and i i don't know i mean it's on youtube so you can go check it out there and then it's on Blu-ray where it looks like way better than it has any right it's, to. It is kind of a beautiful movie. Like there's a weird aesthetic to it that look it just it looks great. It really does. Yeah, so no, I it's uh it's, it's Or you listened to the commentary, right? Yeah. Is that illuminating at all? Uh well that's where I got a lot of the information about like, you know, the differing stories about like yeah, its origin <laughs> and uh like uh some of the cast stuff and like how uh <laughs> how like Del Close was on drugs and it turned into like a who has the best <laughs> drugs competition and <laughs> there's some like it sounds like it was madness in front of and behind the camera. So <laughs> Um. All right, so I guess the Blob '88, the remake. Um. Uh. So. Um. Oh, come back. <laughs> uh. So this movie scarred me as a child. Uh. 
and I blame I, I've told this story before, but I I blame this movie for like it, it probably delayed my Godzilla fandom by a year or two because what had happened was every New Year's Eve, like we would rent two movies. Like I would pick one, my brother would pick one. Me, my brother, my mom would sit down, watch movies, and wait for the ball to drop. All that stuff. And so, uh, oddly enough, I picked, I think it was Edward Scissorhands, I think, and my brother, of all people, picked Godzilla vs. Mechagodzilla. Now, somewhere in this movie-viewing double feature, the blob was on TV. It was probably its, like, network premiere, back when those were, like, a big deal, um, and so, like, I have very clear memories of the beginning and the end. I don't know how I saw both. Like, I, it's one of those things where, like, memories over time become unreliable, and it's more about, like, remembering, like, certain images or feelings that you have rather than what actually happened. But I remember the part at the beginning where the bum gets the blob on his hand, and I remember the um, the end mostly, and like just a lot of the visuals just like messed me up. So, um, uh, so like I I remember being so freaked out that I like when it was time to put Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla in, I was like, nope, like there's monsters. <laughs> it's like kind of like. It's a monster movie. I was like, I, I can't handle it. Like, my, my stress level was, like, really high. And for some reason, I don't know why, like, my mom left the blob on. And I remember, like, <laughs> we watched, like, the ending. And I remember, like, the thing that... There were things that freaked me out the most. Like I said, I remember seeing a lot of this movie. Um, so I don't know. Maybe they showed it twice. I don't know. But... Um, the, the guy getting disintegrated as he's like being pulled down the drain. And then oh, yeah. uh, the one that always stuck with me was like the guy in the hazmat suit and how the blob like shot through it and like engulfed him like in his like suit. Like it, I was like terrified. And, um, even it's, it's strange. Cause even as a kid, like movies didn't really freak me out. The so like, but this movie did like as a kid like I was always more afraid of like the news like hearing a story about like a kidnapping or a robbery or or something like on the news that's what scared me movies didn't scare me but this one did and so it wasn't till later that like like I said it was maybe a year or two later that I I had a friend in the second grade who was into Godzilla and he was like no Godzilla's great check it out and I was like okay like I'm in but. Uh, if not for this movie, I probably would have, like, been more fluent in Godzilla, but I was so done. Uh, so that's my experience with this movie. I don't know if you guys have any, like, personal, like, connection to this movie the way I do, but it, it, this is the first movie that probably really, and one of the only movies, like, this and The Exorcist, like, the only two movies that scared me, but... Uh, I was traumatized. So, <laughs> uh, no, my 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 personal connection is is more to the blob as a concept. Um, when I was a kid, my uncle, um, so my mom and my uncle are a bit apart in age. So my uncle was like 
really, really fun and always played with us, you know, because he was like, uh, like in his late teens or his, you know, so um, he used to throw one of his sheets from his bed over him and like crawl around on the ground and be like, I'm the blob. And like, I do that with my kids now, actually. Um, so that's, that's, I just, I, I've always had the blob like as a thing that I remember. Um, because even before I think I had ever seen any of them, I knew like the blob. Um, yeah, I, didn't, I wasn't traumatized by anything like Bird. <laughs> My story is way less cool than both of yours. I basically saw it, uh, parts of it, not all of it, on USA, which uh, is now, what, Spike TV or something? I think um, USA is still around. USA is still around. Uh, is it? I, I don't know. Anyway, they all, they all blend together. But I saw it on like one of those TNT-like kind of channels, and I caught the ending, and the thing that always stuck out to me was the, the kill where the guy gets like, split in half as he's pulled through like a bookcase or something oh, yeah. the blog comes yeah. in the, that that kill is incredible um but yeah no no scarring no cool uncle stories but i did catch part of it on network tv and always wanted to, to see the finished product and didn't get around to it till probably uh 10 years ago maybe so yeah so uh the, the movie came about in the 80s kind of sort of um, Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell met when they were working on a 1981 slasher called Hell Night. Later, they worked on and collaborated on uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, The Dream Warriors. Uh, Russell directed that one. Um, that's like the best Nightmare on Elm Street sequel, by the way. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was a, a decent success for them. And... Uh, they had both been fans of the original Blob, and um, you know, after seeing the remakes of The Fly and The Thing, and you know, I'm sure what what they were doing in in some of their Nightmare on Elm Street movies, um, Russell went to uh, Jack Harris and pitched a remake to to you know showcase the movie and and do updated practical effects and Harris agreed and licensed the rights and signed on as a as a producer. Uh so they they got rolling and they made the movie that traumatized Bird. <laughs> uh yeah, so this um takes a lot of the same beats as the original but um I mean, the the thing that really sticks out is, I mean, they subvert a lot of the tropes and stuff of, like, that era of, of movies. So, um, you know, you still have your, um, your young bad boy guy, um, but he's more of a loner type. Uh, that's Kevin Dillon and his glorious mullet. Um, and then uh, you have Shawnee Smith, who is, you know, the cheerleader... Um, you know, the popular, you know, peppy, you know, girl next door type, uh, and they're your main characters and it kind of follows them. And throughout the movie, you know, Shawnee Smith is the one that becomes like the badass and, you know, um, Kevin Dillon kind of like, you know, is more the guy that runs away and, um, but we follow the same kind of structure. Um, it begins the same way with, uh, you know, I guess a vagrant getting uh, the blob on his hand and um, Shawnee Smith and her boyfriend, who um, 
you get the feeling he's going to be like the new McQueen. You know, the movie for the first 15 minutes is basically told from his point of view. He's like, you know, the cool football player asking the, the girl out, and um, he has a really creepy date rapey friend um and uh and so the movie is like from his point of view uh and then you know so they they get the guy um and then they they um uh kevin dylan finds him and and he runs into uh shawnee smith and uh her boyfriend and the three of them, like, they're like, okay, we need to get this guy help. So they take him to um, a doctor played by. Oh, come on. I'm looking at Tom. Oh, uh. The the guy's in every, he's in a bunch of stuff, but I can't remember his name. Yeah. Jack Nance, Eraserhead himself. Um, so they, they go to see Dr. Eraserhead. Um,. And the, you know, they, they check on the vagrant and he is completely eaten by the blob. Um, and, uh, um, and so the blob basically, you know, kills everyone there. Shawnee Smith, she, she walks back into the waiting room and, uh, in a really, I think, awesome, like, um, uh, more along the lines of Janet Lee getting killed 20 minutes into Psycho than Sally Hawkins getting killed into a half hour into <laughs> Godzilla King of the Monsters. Um, you know, the movie did a really good job of like fooling you into like mm-hmm. liking this kid, thinking he's funny and he's going to be the hero. He's going to be the Steve McQueen of this version. And nope, she walks into the waiting room and he's covered in blob and getting dissected. And she, you know, tries to get him out and she his arms come off um and then we kind of get into the more traditional beats where you know her and kevin dylan are trying to to convince the police that um that there's a killer blob um they don't believe them and um you know you have uh jeffrey demun um playing the the chief of police or whatever um, and, uh, you know, you, you get some fun banter with him and like the, the lady that's the waitress, uh, that played by Candy Clark at the diner. And for a little bit, you think the movie might follow them and, and nope. Um, and so it turns out that the blob in this is a man-made bioweapon, um, that, uh, um, was, uh, in, in uh like a virus that they sent into space yeah and and that's what crashed so it's not an alien anymore and so now you have this kind of 80s kind of cold war era like paranoia like governmental conspiracy subtext to it which um is like a good stand-in for the perceived you know communism stuff in the first one um and uh yeah, I mean, it, from there it basically follows the same kind of formula. You have the theater scene, um, you have the guy in the projection booth, just like in the original, that gets eaten by the blob, only in this it's like they can show you everything. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, they have the blob oozing through the theater, um, 
uh, in this version, you know, it kills a kid, which is like, whoa, that doesn't happen a lot. <laughs> it yeah. still doesn't happen a lot in horror movies. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that it does a really good job of flipping a lot of the formula of the first one on its head. And even like the kind of tropes of the of 80s horror movies i mean the bad boy is more of the coward and then the cheerleader turns out to be by the end of the movie she's shooting a machine gun at the blob and it never once feels like this like fake girl power it's like okay this this character has earned it through her journey um and i mean that's the kind of thing that i mean even at this early of a point in his career like Frank Darabont knows how to write characters and get you engaged and kind of develop them. Um, like in, I mean that he, that's something that he carried through his whole career. I don't know what he's doing now. Uh, <laughs> um, in a post walking dead world for him, but I like, I mean, the signs were there that he was going to be big, in my opinion. I, I remember when he did The Mist, and, like, noobs were like, why is the Shawshank Redemption guy doing monster movies? Like, man, <laughs> the, 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 <laughs> that's where he started. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if if you can't tell by what I'm saying, I, I really love this movie. And, I mean, I haven't even mentioned the great special effects, which, um, you know... Yeah, it's it's with the it's it's in the same league as the fly and the thing most of the time, um, but I I mean I those three movies are like the trifecta of like that's the way you you can take an original movie, kind of retell the story respectfully and update it for a modern audience with enough changes that it just works um it's probably the most true to the original of those three um but yeah like i said i mean it does enough stuff there's plenty of curveballs in there um that, that kind of make it stand out so so that's the 88 blob um it's funny because it's it's like a weird inversion of of all these uh remakes that were being made in the 80s right like you had the fly you had the thing but you also had like little shop of horrors you also had um i think it was like 79 but still you had nosferatu the vampire you had um, um invaders there, from there, mars the uh, toby there hooper were quite a few version. yeah there were quite a yeah. few others and, and basically what they did is they not just did updated effects on b movies but they did like classier versions of them you know like it's weird the original... like they they were able to not only be like class they were both classier and like i don't want to say more exploitative but like they they really well, went there in terms of gore the, and the original fly and the original thing and the original little shop of horrors for sure are like cheap b movies you know like they're they're the 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 B movies that we were kind of talking about before, right? They're, they they have their their premise and they just kind of stick to it and and they're they're schlocky and and they were thrown together for like fifty three pennies and they they made a quick buck and like that was it. No one ever thought they would ever see them again. Um, and then their remakes are like these, you know, like classy, if not classy. 
they have like deeper themes to them. You know, the the thing is like about paranoia. The fly is about terminal illness, and um, you know, Little Shop of Horrors has like that musical kind of piece to it and everything. And then there's the Blob, where the original Blob is this B movie, but it's it's very very classy. Um, and I know it doesn't really have like deeper themes to it, but like everything about it was made to be an A-list movie. And then you have the remake comes along and it's like, no, no, what if we took everything that was classy about it and made it like horribly exploitative (laughs) (laughs) and, and, and like more schlocky almost and like way more gory and, you know, like. It's it's this weird like almost inversion of the '80s remake trend where they 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 took something that was all like an A-list look to it and made it a B movie. Um, but because you know you you got like the the ex like the moment where the the boyfriend gets gets or not the boyfriend but the rapey guy uh, gets killed trying to cop a feel. Oh my god! And he That's- has that like creepy date rape like. Kit He's in, his, in his, himself, tr- like in his trunk. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, God. with all his with all his uh, school rings. Yeah, uh, um, and uh, yeah, Bird. When you were talking about Jack Nance, for some reason, I thought you were talking about Art Lafleur. I don't know. I don't know why I got my my wires crossed. In my no, I brain. did too. I actually I did too. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, who uh, I don't, people might know best as uh, he played uh, Babe Ruth in The Sandlot, um, <laughs> but that's that's who I was thinking of in my in my head, and um, yeah, you got when his when he's introduced as the pharmacist, and then like his I think it might be his first lines of the movie. Well, his first like two lines, or his very first line is like regular or ribbed, <laughs> and then and then his second line of the movie is. Ribbed when <laughs> when uh when the boyfriend comes to pick up Shawnee Smith at the house, it's just it, it is like it's so much more like like schlocky and like lowbrow, but yeah, I mean, I, but on the effects side, obviously everything has more money and stuff put at it. So, um, yeah, it's it's I can't remember when I first saw this, but it's definitely a movie that like. The, the parts of it that that have those those visuals they stick in your brain oh yeah like what the the guy like that's like melting into the ceiling in the the projection booth like um i mean there's so many i like uh, one is like when the waitress like goes into the phone booth and it's like oh yeah it's like that's surrounded great. by the blob and she's trying to call, I think, Jeffrey DeMunn. And yeah, at, at, at that point, we don't know that he's dead. But what we see is, like, the horrifying. Like, we see, like, him, like, him, like, being, like, liquefied. And, like, his eyeball, like, you know, floating in the blob. And it's, and then, of course, it, you know, bust through the project or the, the the phone booth and it's like okay they like but I mean that's also I think a strength in Darabot's writing is like those are those even like for like the five minutes those characters are on screen it's like you know these are f- likable people like I would follow these two you know through this this movie um 
But, yeah, because he has that moment where he like sheepishly asks her out, and she gives him his nut, her number, and it says she's off at eleven on like the the uh, the check, you know, the, the the receipt she gives him. Yeah, there's like those little like flirty moments they have, and you're like, oh, that's that's cute. Yeah, it, I mean, it's the mo- it's the kind of thing like most movies don't do with characters like that you know it's like just give them some it's like what we were saying about like something that kaneko is very good with is like give even give like your smallest players like something like a trait or a memorable line or like do like understand that these are like should feel like people yeah and then it kills the kid and (laughs) yeah um and then uh, you have um, Del Close, uh, eye patch guy that was really high in Beware the Blob. He's he's back as the Reverend in this movie, and uh, of course, you know you have that. He kind of sees the Blob as some kind of like prophecy, some biblical thing, and you have that you know that that sequel bait where he's got you know the little piece of the Blob that he's holding on to. Um, Gets his eye patch back too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember when stuff like that in movies was just like a stinger, and everyone wasn't like, "Oh my god, Blob Cinematic Universe!" Yeah, this is how it's setting up <laughs> this. It's like no, it's like you know, not every movie is trying to set up another movie. <laughs> Even when they have that setup piece, it used to just be like a stinger to be like, "Oh, it's still out there," you know? Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, that's an easy way for them to say, like, okay, if this makes money, we'll do another one. You know, it wasn't like, oh, they already know what they're going to do with this. It's like, no, no, that's not, not really. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, before we get through a lot of the reviews, uh, I, I want to go through the trivia real quick. So we already talked about Doug Close, who actually returns, uh, and he is now the priest. Um, special effects was led by uh, then 23-year-old Tony Gardner. And he was hired to do just a, a handful of shots. The main effects designer was actually Lyle Conway, um, but he left after principal photography. So that left the bulk of the effect shots to be done and completed by Gardner. And he had to build, he had to basically manage um, a unit of 33 to build 41 effect shots in only seven months. And he does, I mean, we already talked about it, but the effects in this movie are, for the most part, really incredible. And I, I think the thing that sticks out with me are just, you know, the the, the gore and, uh, and the the sort of viciousness of the kills, but they're really really well executed. Um, and then to create the blob, the special effects team they actually use silk injected with uh, methicil and a, a fruit additive that is used to create. Um, that's basically a fruit additive that is used to create some gravy, and they use a hundred gallons of hexoplasm vinyl urethane and latex foam and they um they use that to create like the a blob quilt and they could throw on things so it's pretty um a lot of work fell on tony gardner who i mean he's worked on a ton of different stuff uh dark man nightbreed he worked on he actually is uncredited uh in working on the aliens um he did some makeup on the return of the living dead which is one of my other favorite movies so i mean he's done a lot of really cool stuff yeah, it's crazy to think, you know, a 23-year-old had to do do this. And, I mean, that's similar. Like, Rob Bottin, I think, was, like, 19, 20, 21 or something when he had to come up with all that stuff for the thing. Um, 
yeah, it's interesting. The, the, the effects side has been kind of, uh, you know, uh, a little bit, I don't know, I don't want to say secretive, but, you know, a lot of things they haven't really disclosed over the years, and uh, Scream Factory is doing this crazy special edition Blu-ray that's coming out in a few weeks, so I'm hoping to learn a lot more um, uh, with that release. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, this this movie is uh, uh, just one of my favorites of the 80s and it's 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 crazy to think that i mean even in, until the 90s we we had monster movies kind of coming out regularly I, whether they're good or not but like this is the kind of monster movie that they don't really make anymore that gets like a actual theatrical release you know like i said even into the 90s you had stuff like mimic or the relic and i mean the, the movies like this are like go on vod now you know there's no monster movies i I want some like the that's why another reason why speaking of daremont like i love the mist it was like it gave me that feeling of like yeah this is a monster movie that's right right and it's like i'm seeing it in a theater i'm not renting it on voodoo for 4.99 or whatever like you know i don't know i i'm very nostalgic for that well that, that was part of the reason why i really really liked it chapter one honestly yeah it had that it had that feel to it to me um but back to this movie i uh i i yeah i i just well i'm a shawnee smith guy right (laughs) i don't blame you i've I've liked shawnee smith she looks exactly the same (laughs) now (laughs) she does um, but yeah, I, I, I've liked Shawnee Smith. Like, I think the first thing I actually saw her in was, um, Mick Garris's The Stand, um, as the, the crazy character in that. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm a Shawnee Smith guy. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a huge win. That's a huge mark in this movie's favor. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I like, you know, it, it does go deeper on a lot of the, uh, the things that I wanted from the original to go deeper on, you know, like it actually develops its characters. It actually gives you, you know, more of a, of a story to it than, than just Bob shows up and we have to figure out what to do, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's just better. Like, um, (laughs) I really, really, enjoy this movie a ton and uh and I, I can't say like enough good about it if i'm getting into like a couple things that i kind of don't love or whatever like when i said that the beware the blob blob is my favorite looking blob it's um more so in terms of just it being a blob right this this one gets a little tentacly um and a little occasionally there are times where it doesn't look as sticky and gloopy as i would like it um and that's it's very nitpicking. fleshy it's very it's almost yeah. like a cronenberg-esque like it looks like uh like a just a blob of meat you know at certain points yeah and yeah. and and so I, I don't know but it also works it also works kind of for what it is which is a it's not a, a gl- it's not a glob, 
right? It's a it's a mutated virus, right? So that's kind of it works for that. It's just you know what I prefer. Um, but yeah, I, I when it is more of the glob like thing, I love like you know how body parts like float around inside of it and um and stuff like that but yeah I, you know the, the movie's got a lot more of a of a cynical kind of flair to it um you know it's a lot less about like this small little town kind of uniting against the the common uh alien invader and more about like um, the government is terrible and the only person who realizes it is the is the the rebel um, you know, like he's, yeah, I know you, you've heard, you've talked a lot about how like he, Kevin Dillon, um, Brian is the, is ends up kind of being kind of the coward while Shawnee Smith is the badass, but he's also the one who's like instantly mistrustful of the government. Yeah. You know, um, he's like the only one, he's like the first one who kind of figures everything out, even though he's more of a, of a cowardly character. He's, he's kind of the brains you know he's the one who figures out that it it can't be cold or whatever and he's the one who figures out like that the government like how did they get here so fast how did you think they just show up every time someone (laughs) says a a blob monster comes from the sky you know like um so so it 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 does some inversions and everything on on all kinds of formulas so it's uh, yeah, it's it's uh it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I love this movie. Um it it's my oh, of the blob films it's definitely my favorite. And it's like, you know, if if you said, "Hey, Brian using a directed a blob movie and you watch this, you'd be like, "Oh, that that makes sense. That's kind of what it is." And the the schlockiness and the 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 veracity of the kills and just and the character work, though, is what I really appreciate, I think, because when people die, like, they, it feels like they matter. It's not like uh, Jason killing a random, you know, camp counselor or something. It's they, they have there's there's some heart behind the film. And so, like, when, when the people die and especially like, you know, it, it takes a risk in, in killing kids, which you don't see a ton in horror movies all the time, at least not the ones that I've seen. So um, I feel like the kills have a bit more impact. And I like all the inversions that we've already talked about of like having the like here's here's the the football player who you think is going to be the hero, not be the hero. The cheerleader becomes the hero, and all the different things that it does and kind of flips on its head, and it does them really well. And then when you add just the incredible effects, like to me, this is this is my jam, and I I've I unabashedly honestly just love this movie. Yeah, and I mean, like I said, I mean, even things as little as you know giving you know characters who don't have a lot of screen time like a personality like i mean i mentioned you know when shawnee smith has the machine gun you're like oh wow she's like a badass like immediately after that she falls on her ass you know like yeah. i mean just little <laughs> little things like that like just make them feel more relatable <laughs> you know like they're people yeah i i honestly like the the scene of the diner and then that later the phone booth those two characters like the fact that they get snuffed out so early is like awesome, but also like kind of heartbreaking because yeah. you're you're rooting ador- for them to get together. They're adorable. <laughs> yeah, they really, they really well, like, and and even Kevin Dillon, like you know, when he's he's set up throughout the movie to be this like you know badass motorcycle driver, you know, like they're kind of setting that up, and 
as he's as he's like he he wipes out a bunch you know like you're saying like you know immediately after shawnee smith does the the thing with the sh- machine gun she falls and she's stuck on the, the the truck like kevin dillon like the same thing like he you know finally makes that one jump on the bridge that he's been trying to make like earlier in the movie and then like he immediately wipes out you know it's it's uh it, it gives everyone like character and it makes them it makes them like you said it makes them feel real because yeah they do this like this one thing that kind of stretches you a little bit too far but they don't just suddenly put on their plot armor you know and become like this perfect sort of person they they they've still they're still fallible and it reminds you of that so that everyone feels more real yeah um so what do you guys give the blob uh out of five uh um (laughs) uh out of five um terrified future godzilla fans <laughs> um, I'm at a four. I'm I'm, at, I'm very solidly at a four. I'm at a four or five. I think it's great. I love it. I'm at a four and a half. Um, I mean, I'm with you guys. I mean, I'm at a four that could easily lean into a four and a half. So, I mean, um, no, it's awesome. Um, so before we wrap up this uh, podcast, I so there has not been a Blob movie since 88, uh, not for lack of trying. Um, so there's a well, few... The 88 one bombed. I oh, think yeah. That's <laughs> yeah, it did not do well. Important to, to um, point out. Yeah, so... Um, but They spent, what, like $8 million on it and only grossed like two or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it didn't do too hot. Um, but uh, there have been Blob movies in development on and off over the years. Um, so, uh, to kind of go back to be after beware the blob, um, while that movie was in production, Harris was working on a treatment for a sequel, which would be curse of the blob. I wasn't able to find out any more about it. And I mean, uh, you know, a lot of this pre internet stuff is like hard to find any information (laughs) sometimes. So, uh, but it wasn't made, um, and, uh, little is known about it. That brings us to 2009, um, kind of hot off the heels of Halloween. Um, Rob Zombie, uh, was developing a blob remake, um, which, uh, was weird because I remember after Halloween, he was like, I'm not doing any more remakes. And then like, Right after that, he's like, yeah, I'm making the blob. And then it got even weirder when he was like, but it's not going to have a blob in it. And, like, <laughs> that that's, like, the most anyone knew about it until recently when um, one of the guys uh, that was doing concept art for it, like, released a crap ton of concept art uh, that you can find online. Um, so... What? So it was always like a mystery as to like how do you make a blobless blob movie? So for whatever reason, Rob Zombie didn't feel like the blob as we know it was uh, would be scary enough for a modern audience, which I think is kind of bull crap. Really, I think there's nothing more terrifying than the blob like as a concept. But whatever, you know, I I respect Rob Zombie. Uh, so you know, he's free to his opinion. So his inter- his his new version dealt with a large monolith from space uh, that would transform people into these kind of like uh, blob p- 
people. Like blob zombies. Blobs. Yeah, blob zombies. <laughs> Rob Zombies making a movie about blob zombies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like they're these these zombies that like would gradually become more grotesque and like start to meld into each other and so like i mean in the concept art you see them like just grossly mutated and you see some where like they're a few people like merged together um almost like the shunting at the end of uh society if you've seen brian using his <laughs> society um but by the end like all these blob People they they would form a giant blob melt of made of these like melted merged humans so it's like a pile of like gooey limbs and stuff um, and so concept art shows uh, a heavy metal concert in front of the monolith that says like you know the worship the monolith so I don't know what that's all about like plot details are a little sketchy uh, a woman on top of a car uh, shooting blob mutants who I'm a of course, would probably would have been Sherry Moon, um, and a blob uh, person attacking a woman, a nurse in a hospital who, of course, has uh, her boobs like <laughs> completely out of her shirt. Um, but Zombie ended up walking away from the project to pursue other things. He he really felt like his heart just wasn't in it, and he really, even though I i guess he just had a change of heart and decided like yeah when i said no more remakes like i really want to stick to that um so a little bit later on um joe lynch uh who makes a lot of low budget genre movies um wrong turn two uh if you've seen everly or uh, mayhem um or uh, Point Blank, I think it's called, which is a recent one with Frank Grillo and Anthony Mackie. He was approached to do a blob movie. Um, and uh, the 88 movie has a very personal connection to him. Um, you know, it was the movie that he credits as, like, what made him want to be a director. Um, in fact, in 88, he wrote his own, like, kind of fan pitch that picked up right after the remake with the Reverend's leftover piece of blob. Um kind of taking over the town. Um, but uh, Joe Lynch's version was going to be kind of in the continuity of the 88 movie. Um, and uh, it would have been very practical effects heavy. You know, he really wanted to stay away from the CG. Um, and he pitched it as out of the furnace with a monster. So really kind of taking the small town setting that the other Blob movies are and kind of like, kind of, I guess, showing like a more modern version of what a small town is like um and i guess the studio ran his international sales numbers against you know other directors that they were considering and his were low um so you know he he didn't get the gig um he does seem very sheepish and reluctant to talk about the story details because i think um as we'll talk about this next version that has been in development, it's really kind of stalled, and I think he's really kind of hoping to to kind of, you know, maybe be able to to get in there again and and do his thing. Um, but so the job went to Simon West, uh, who did Con Air, Tomb Raider, a bunch of crappy early two thousands like action movies. Um, so when Joe Lynch was passed up um the job was given to simon west he signed on for it um and the only actor that uh signed on to the project was samuel l jackson um ah. and he's still attached as far as i know so i mean if tomorrow the studio decides to green light it you know jackson's gotta gotta go over there and do it um 
but uh, it was supposed to be released in 2016. Um, I it would have been a, a new script, from what I understand. From you know, it wouldn't be the Rob Zombie or the Joe Lynch version, and um, it's been stalled for years now. Um, even though Jackson is technically still attached, I don't necessarily know why. I do know Jack Harris passed away in 2017. And I'm assuming he still has, like, the rights to the property, like the IP. So I don't know if that has anything to do with it. But um, West said he... The only things that I, I can tell you I was able to find about this is Simon West said that he would be uh, restoring the Blob's origin as an alien being, and he would take full advantage uh, of uh, using heavy CGI and uh, using modern techniques to bring the Blob to life. And... Uh, but it's been stalled for three years now, so who knows? Uh, I mean, if we ever get another blob, it's going to be CGI heavy. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's... that's not. <laughs> yeah. So of, of of those three takes, I mean, w- is there one that you guys, like, would want to see? <laughs> like, more, like, what one would you want to see the most? Bring back Shawnee Smith for Joe Lynch's Blob 2. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm gonna no, do and I'm time. there day one. <laughs> keep Jackson. Day one, there. Yeah, keep Jackson in. <laughs> he can. He He's can, just attached to everything, isn't he? <laughs> That's true. He. Yeah. He. Uh, that guy gets around. I don't know. I mean, bless him, because he's in his 70s, but uh, he's a workaholic, that's for sure. But it's funny, like, Jackson, um, he said, like, the reason reason, uh, he signed on for The Blob is because he loves the other Blob movies. Like, he's a fan. He said that's the same reason he attached himself to to Skull Island. He was like, I love King Kong, and yeah, I want to be in a King Kong movie, so, like... He's a little bit of a fanboy when it comes to, to stuff like this. So I, I think if there's a lesson to be learned if you're making a monster movie. Like, more people should probably go to Samuel L. Jackson. Because uh, not only does he say, say yes to everything, but he seems to legitimately love, like, that genre. Yeah. Samuel L. Jackson rules. Yeah, um, I would also take Rob Zombie's blob over Simon West's, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, the zombie version... Mostly... It would mostly probably give us some cool visual elements, like the I would body take, horror I stuff. Would take a Rob Zombie movie, potentially, over a Simon West movie. It's just, in general, what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, I mean, we all, we all kind of have our cynical ideas of how a Rob Zombie blob movie would have gone, you know... The lots of movie. lots of white trash, uh, hillbilly, death metal people. <laughs> the concert thing was cracking me up though. That was <laughs> weird. would that have been? Do you think that would have been like, like, because it looks like that would have been almost like the stinger at the end of the movie or something like that. The blob wins and people worship it now or something <laughs> like. Yeah, I don't. Is this, it's the fifth annual monolith in the park festival. Yeah, I'm th- well like I'm thinking like maybe that's like where the f- finale takes place, like maybe for whatever reason there's like a little like cult of people that like think the monolith has some kind of meaning and there's like oh, see I was taking the other side of it of like the monolith wins or something and 
and now they worship the blob. Well, he, well, yeah. Didn't, I don't know. Didn't you say it's it's uh, the fifth annual? Like, yeah, like the fifth annual monolith. That's weird. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's weird. Um. So, uh, yeah, that's the blob. Um. Uh, I'm a fan. I mean, I. I I I think that the blob should be revived. It's done a good job of like speaking to the time that it's made. I mean, the 50s version and Beware the Blob is like this crazy hippie fever dream of the 70s and then, you know, the 88 version. Um yeah, I mean, I just yeah, the Simon West version just sounds like a sanitized CGI Hollywood thing. PG-13. Yeah. yeah, so I mean, uh, I'm sure we'll probably see another Blob movie in our lifetime, and hopefully they, you know, get someone like a Joe Lynch that's like, yeah, I want to stick to the tradition of the practical effects, and I want to, like, you know, do this right instead of, uh, yeah, the Simon West version just seems like the cynical Hollywood version. Yeah. Yeah. Like, much more, it'd probably be much more of an action movie than a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, get someone in the right uh, seat, and, I mean, I'll be all for it. But, yeah, CGI, they need to be careful with that. Because that can it's go... It's just gonna happen. It can go very wrong. <laughs> um, Alright, so I guess we're all blobbed out for this. Um... Any last thoughts? We like the blob. We do. We do. All right. So um, that's all we got. And, uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Kaiju Transmissions podcast. Please take a moment to rate and review us on iTunes, Podbean, and Stitcher. Make sure to subscribe for all the latest episodes. You can also check us out on Twitter at KT underscore podcast. You can check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Kaiju Transmissions. And you can email us at kaijutransmissions at gmail.com if you have any questions or comments. And we will see you next time.